I want to thank all the labor unions here in Dane County that help keep SlyOffice.com up and going so you keep up to date. Whether it be the Madison Firefighters, Local 311, or the Madison Teamsters, Local 695, or our friends at Madison Teachers Incorporated. These are some of the most active local unions who organize, 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 and constantly stand up for workers. Thank you from SlyOffice.com. When you're looking for a new computer or need help with one you already own, call 231-8000 and Madison Computer Works will get things up and running for you. Madison Computer Works, computers that work for you. Welcome to another edition of SliceOffice.com, brought to you by the operating engineers, Local 139, and the Madison Teamsters, Local 695. Joining us now, State Representative Lisa Subek. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sly. Thanks for having me. So let's, uh, I'm going to play a little of the coverage from the testimony that former Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman gave in front of your committee the other day. Here it is. ...to its election system. I believe the legislature ought to take a very hard look at the option of decertification of the 2020 Wisconsin presidential election. The report Michael Gableman presents Tuesday does not list decertifying the election as a recommendation, but it does offer what legal experts say is a debunked roadmap. Democrats say the issues raised by Gableman amount to complaining about the rules after a game has already ended. The fact is there were plenty of opportunities to contest the 2020 election before it was certified. There were audits, there were recounts, there were legal challenges. They all held up and so the election was certified and it will remain certified. Gableman, who was hired by Assembly Speaker Robin Voss, calls for lawmakers to dismantle the Wisconsin Elections Commission, something Voss opposes. He also claims cities broke the law by accepting outside grant money and using it to encourage voting, something federal courts have already said was not illegal. Rulings Gableman dismisses. No, the law didn't prohibit it because no reasonable person would ever anticipate that such a thing would be done, and we didn't think we had to write it down. Gableman vows to continue the investigation, even though his contract ended December 31st, saying he considers the agreement still active. Clearly, Mike Gableman would like to extend this indefinitely. He wants to keep getting paid. He wants to keep doing what he's doing. Uh, it's up to Speaker Voss to decide whether that will continue to happen. And Voss has said for weeks he is still, quote, finalizing a new contract with Gableman. In a statement today, Voss thanks Gableman for this report, but makes no mention of his call for lawmakers to decertify or at least look into decertifying the election, something Voss has repeatedly said would be illegal. Reporting live at the state capitol, A.J. Bayatpour, 27 News. So he dismisses the decisions by federal judges? Certainly interesting coming from somebody who once served as a uh, Supreme Court justice here in Wisconsin. Well, he wasn't particularly good at it. So, I, and that would be from point. his own. That would be from his own side. Fair uh, point. Right. So, he says this is bribery. He's accusing the he's accusing of of the Facebook people of somehow bribing local officials, them taking a bribe. But a federal court has ruled that it's not illegal. How can something be a bribe if it's not illegal? It can't be, Sly. I mean, this is the kind of garbage that we heard from Michael Gableman. And frankly, you know, this is, this is what Robin Voss has sown. This is the seeds of distrust. 
that they have brought together through this investigation. And whether Robin Voss thinks that it's illegal to decertify, which he's right about, he is still perpetuating this by having Gableman out there, you know, putting out this report. Um, sounds like he's not ready to end the investigation. Certainly the right thing to do would be Voss to do that. But, you know, this is more, you know, disinformation and garbage coming from the Republican Party and their allies. Nobody was bribed. There were grants that went to more than 200 municipalities across the state. That's not bribery. That's <laughs> ensuring that people were able to exercise their constitutional rights to vote. That money was used to be able to assist our cities, towns, and villages, and as I said, over 200 of them across the state, to be able to administer elections in the midst of a pandemic that, you know, that presented barriers to those election clerks like we've never seen. And they had to be innovative. They had to, you know, figure out how can people get those ballots in. We were seeing a mail system that people didn't trust. Um, We were seeing problems with delays in the mail. Folks were, you know, rightfully concerned about going out to vote on Election Day and what that could mean for them during a pandemic. And this made it possible for our hardworking local public servants, our city, town, and village clerks, to be able to administer this election and ensure that Wisconsinites could vote freely, fairly, and safely during the pandemic. Well, I notice he's talked about decertifying the presidential election. It seems to me there were a lot of Republicans who won by small margins on that day. He isn't talking about decertifying those elections. How could you parse the ballot like that? Uh, You know, that would be a question (laughs) for him. And, you know, frankly, the decertification thing is right here. Besides the fact that you besides the fact that legally, constitutionally, this election cannot be decertified. There's also no reason to decertify it. It has been litigated. It has been recounted. It has been canvassed and contested. And it withstood every single one of those challenges. And what so was his even, reason? Even if it were legal to decertify, <laughs> there'd be no grounds for it. And what was his response to that? How, how does he justify that? You know, I... I'm trying to think back to exactly what he said here. Um, You know, he says what he wants to say, and I think he more or less ignored the questions. Certainly when I ask questions of him, when my colleagues Jody Emerson and Mark Spreitzer ask questions of him, he simply talked over us. He accused us of impugning his character and, you know, was very stage-worthy, but did not actually answer the questions. And, you know, I'm hopeful that we get to more of what this what was behind the scenes of this investigation or so-called investigation um, and what we're paying for and how much we're paying for it because they also are doing everything in their power not to release records um, and fortunately the courts um, you know issued a decision that at least some of those records do need to be released and I expect going forward for there to be more court battles over that. It's quite interesting he said at one point I don't have a dog in this fight. And, of course, the last time I heard someone say that, it was Michael Vick. And he... Oh, you didn't get my joke, did you? I got your joke, 
Okay. Taking the high road there. <laughs> okay. So you get my point. Yeah, no, no, no barking laughter here. He he has a dog in this fight, and we know that because he tried to get reimbursed or did get reimbursed for going and speaking to Republican Party events. Absolutely. In Absolutely. his role in this investigation. When he went to the My Pillow Guy summit. <laughs> right? And I tried to call him out on this during the hearing. I mean, I said to him, Mr. Gableman, of course, he then was like, Miss Subak, Miss Subak, and I was like, whatever. But he, um, you know, I said to him, You just said you have no dog in this fight. And I asked him the question. I said, Here is why I think you do. You spoke in the days after the election at a big rally out at, I think it was Turner Hall. I might have the location wrong now because I don't have the um, article in front of me. Um, and you were quoted saying that there were concerns. I said, you do have a dog in this fight, and never mind your ties to the Republican Party. Never mind the fact that you were appointed by Republican governors so serve as a DA, a partisan office, you know, mm. all of that. Just take your comments on this election alone, and clearly you have a dog in this fight. And he, that's, I mean, that's when he said, well, you're impugning my character and went through his entire resume, right? And I was like, this isn't about your resume. This isn't about what jobs you have done. This is about the job that you are not doing and the sham of an investigation. This is a sideshow. So does he get to keep working for the state in perpetuity? Well, that's an interesting question, too. And actually, my colleague Mark Pricer asked a little bit about that um, during his hearing. And right now, Gableman's contract has ended. It ended at the end of 2021, his contract with Robin Voss. Now, he hasn't spent all of the money that Voss told him he could spend. And he seems to think that this contract goes on, but he was very mysterious about it. When, when Mark asked, when Representative Spicer asked about it, um, Gableman's answer was, well, I believe that I still have a contract in place. And, well, I can't tell you about all of that. And seemed to have some mysterious, I'm assuming he's probably engaging in some negotiations with Voss, but he seems to have some mysterious reasoning that he was unwilling to share with us as to why he thinks he is still under contract and still being paid by the state to perpetuate the sham. I want to ask you a question about this little event that took place the other day. We all know that Robin Voss is under incredible, Speaker Voss is under incredible pressure from right-wingers in his party, and I shouldn't even call them right-wingers, Trumpers in his party. We, you know, we have Timothy Rampton running for governor and, you know, dissing Voss and attacking Voss. And, there, you know, Voss had to reschedule things so they couldn't hold a rally out in front of his office. So he's under, he's under great pressure. How much do you think that this was a show performance to protect Robin Voss? Yeah, I think Robin, I think the Speaker Voss is trying to play both sides of this. On one hand, for the reasonable folks out there, he's trying to look reasonable and say, look, the law, this has been decided, right? The reality is that we know that people right now do not trust our election system, and that is the direct result of folks like Robin Voss and Donald Trump calling it into question. 
At the same time, there's a point at which reasonably pe- reasonable people say, but wait a minute, you know, look at the facts. And when you look at the facts, that doesn't bear out. So I think Robin Voss is trying to play it both ways. I think he's trying to play to the sort of mainstream world out there that, you know, this is, it's not legal to decertify, let's move on, let's do the next thing. And at the same time, he's still trying to um, stay close to Donald Trump. Remember, they flew out, he flew out on Donald's private plane not too long ago to talk about, you know, the selection issue. He, um, there were photos of him with, with Donald Trump sitting on that plane, you know, that he proudly posted. So I think he is trying to play to both sides. And on one hand, um, you know, continue to stir up that, that right-wing base. I mean, we see it now, Timothy Ramson running for governor, right? Like, Robin Voss, on one hand, takes away Tim Ramson's staff because Tim is viewing conspiracy theories in a way that Voss did not like. And yet at the same at the same, very same time, Voss is putting out this report and continuing to stir up those conspiracy theories. And, you know, I think Voss is in a tough spot. He has created a beast that he can't control. And there is nothing that Speaker Voss dislikes more than not being able to control things. He has built his entire career around power and control and you know, he controls his members, he controls what happens, he yeah. controls what gets to the floor. This is hard for him not to Yeah, he's control. a he's a reincarnation of Michael Madigan and oh, we'll pick a Republican from Wisconsin's history, Scott Jensen. That's what he is. Right? I mean Right. That that's what he is. So I ask you, are there any checks and balances? Does the speaker get to just take state money and give it to a friend for a sham investigation for as long as he wants? Unfortunately, the answer to that is yes. Um, he is able to do that. Well, this is outrageous. It's absolutely <laughs> absurd, but you know what? It's up to the people to hold them accountable then. If the people want this to stop, they need to stop electing Republicans. But the problem is, is, is they've, they you know, the, the state has become much like rest of the country, so tribal... And they were able to draw their pick their own voters, and we'll, we'll we'll talk about redistricting here in the second part of this interview. But it's so hard to hold people accountable right now because, evidently, uh, due to tribalism, a lot of people have lost that sense of right and wrong. Sure, and I I don't entirely disagree with you, but I'm going to appeal to sort of the mainstream Republican out there. And I think we've seen this bubble up a little bit in the suburbs of Milwaukee and some other places where traditional mainstream Republicans are sick and tired of the Donald Trump BS that is tearing apart their party. And those folks need to start rejecting politicians, whether they do it through primaries or whether they do it in the general election by voting for Democrats. Um, they need to start rejecting the absurdity that has become the Republican Party. I mean, the Republican Party has moved so far right. It's not just the party of Donald Trump. It's the party of the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world, right? Like, the most extreme elements yes. are controlling their party. You know, something about her rubs me the wrong way. I can't quite put my finger on it. Oh, I put my finger on it. <laughs> and there's lots there. But, I mean, I do think that there comes a point when their party has become so extreme 
that it's no longer the party of what I would call the old school Republicans, you know, my grandmother, right? Like, it's just, it's not the same party that it once was. It has moved outside of the comfort zone for those in the mainstream. You see parties, I mean, there are county, county GOPs across the state that have started passing resolutions to decertify the results of the election. And I don't know how many of them they've gotten so far. I think there's nine or ten. Well, when there's only 72 counties, nine of them is an eighth of the county. We'll take a break. Like, think about it. Is that is that the party that most Republicans want to belong to? I don't think so. I actually believe that it is time for folks to come find a place that's more comfortable, right? And I understand that there are lots of Republicans with whom I am going to agree on a small amount of policy, but perhaps not the major policy. To those folks, though, who, you know, still have some degree of reasonableness, they have two choices. Hold your party accountable or leave your party because they've left you. And, you know, if they've left you, why stick around? Change, change who you're voting for. Stand by. We'll talk more with Lisa Subek, state representative, right here. SliceOffice.com. Similar to a well-tuned automobile, a guitar requires the same level of attention to perform at its very best. No matter how expensive your guitar may be, we will treat you and your instrument with the utmost respect. Call 920-723-1733 or visit jeffsguitar.com. Jeff's Guitar Clinic in Ford Atkinson, we love guitars. The attorneys at Jingris, Thompson & Walks have had the honor of receiving numerous awards for their work both in and outside the courtroom. But just as important as receiving accolades for being skilled attorneys, it's equally important to give back to the community in which they live and work. If you want a personal attorney that can help you in so many different areas, they've got them. They're in Eau Claire, Madison, Milwaukee, and Waukesha. They're easy to reach. GTWlawyers.com. That's GTWlawyers. We're back at SliceOffice.com, brought to you by Madison Computer Works and also Jeff's Guitar Clinic in Fort Atkinson. Uh, So, Representative Subek, uh, the state Supreme Court picked the governor's maps. Uh, It seems to coincide with an earlier decision they made that there should be as few changes as possible in the maps from... 2010. Now, I didn't necessarily agree with that decision because those maps were very gerrymandered. Uh, can you explain this decision and where we go from here? Sure. So, um, as you said, the court chose a least change approach to redistricting, and that came with an earlier decision um, in the same case, but an earlier decision they made. And when they made that decision, they did choose to some degree to bake in the gerrymander that the Republicans did in 2010 for another 10 years. Um, But we got what was at least a somewhat better decision um, in the final maps that they chose. And what happened was after they did the least, after they made their ruling that they wanted the least change, the parties involved with the case were able to submit maps that adhered to those requirements. And the governor submitted maps that are better than the ones that the Republicans passed in the legislature, um, the maps that he vetoed. He was able to take a least change approach 
actually provide less change than the Republicans did in their own maps, and at the same time, come up with fairer maps. They are still not fair maps, but they are definitely much fairer. There are significantly more districts that become competitive. Um, And, you know, something you asked a little while ago about, you know, how do we hold people accountable, all of that. So here's our opportunity. We actually have some districts, and it may not be Voss's district. It may not be some of the most extreme districts. There are some districts that, you know, are never going to be, are unlikely to ever be competitive. That said, there's, as I said, there's nothing that bothers Robin Voss more than not having absolute control. And part of the reason he has absolute control is the size of their majority. It's not just that they have a majority, but it's the size of that majority. And so if we can shrink that majority, we come up with more balanced government, and we reach a point where one person doesn't have absolute control and behave like a little mini ruler um, running his own kingdom. Let me ask you this. How much did your district change? My district had grown significantly in population to be significantly above the average district. So my district shifts a little bit, I have a little bit of new area, and I lose a big chunk of my district, actually, geographically. Um, and that's largely because Dane County has had a lot of population growth. And so in order to equalize the population, which is one of the things that needs to happen in redistricting, it's, the re- it's much of the reason that we do redistricting every 10 years, is we get those census numbers. We know some areas grow, some areas shrink. My, my district was one that had a significant amount of growth, so we had to physically cut part of it out. So what did you, what did you lose and what did you gain? Well, I lose, um, so what I gain are actually some newly developed areas out on the, west, on the far west side of Madison, areas that were recently annexed from, for example, the town of Middleton and the town of Verona as they developed. And then what I lost is, Sort of the northeast chunk of my district, so the area around like Crestwood and part of Old Sock Road, it's not, (coughs) I I believe from looking at the lines, and now I haven't overlaid the maps exactly, but um, I definitely lose the Crestwood neighborhood. I lose a couple of the other neighborhoods. I lose part of the Parkwood area. you know, it's some small neighborhoods over in that corner. That you know, that Crestwood neighborhood is where Gaylord Nelson lived when his political yeah, career got. Yeah, I'm sad to lose Crestwood because <laughs> I love going out and knocking on doors in Crestwood. And you're... Because you, uh, the people are so great, but it's also a great shady area with lots of trees. Right. <laughs> and well, and, and Spencer Black lives over in that. He had your Absolutely. seat for many years, right? Yes, and he represented this area. So uh, this is going to be appealed maybe to the Supreme Court, do you think things are going to change or do you think this is likely to stay? You know, I think that most of it is likely to stay. I think the the area that I think could change or would be likely to change um, or might be likely to change, I don't know that it will change. But I think the area that would be contested is the area around Milwaukee, particularly as it relates to minority-majority districts, how those were calculated, and what changes were made to be able to ensure that the um, Voting Rights Act was met. But as you know, 
there are a couple of different theories or philosophies as to how to meet the requirements of the Voting Rights Act as it, as it pertains to minority-majority districts or majority-minority. I'm flipping that. Anyway, but it, there's a couple different theories. So I suspect that what will get contested relates to that area. I don't know that it's likely to change. Um, that part, I am not a scholar on these issues. I have not studied how the courts have ruled on past cases around um, Voting Rights Act specifically as it relates to what might get contested here. But I think, and I think that the Republicans will be looking to make changes in that area because they lose ground in that area. And they're always going to, you know, that has nothing to do with Voting Rights Act or gerrymandering. They lose ground in that area because the population is changing. And some of those suburban areas around Milwaukee, two things are happening. One is they're actually becoming more liberal. But the second thing that's happening is even among the conservatives in those suburban areas, they don't vote on part, as much on party lines as issues. And the Republican Party has become so far out of touch on social issues and has become so invested in the ridiculous conspiracy theories that the average, you know, suburban family that may have always voted Republican is no longer all that interested in um, in voting Republican anymore. How important is it now that there will be two competitive congressional races in Wisconsin rather than none? I, I think that's a big deal. Um, you know, I the fact that we could have had all of this time two competitive seats that we didn't is shameful because that means that voters in those districts didn't have the opportunity to actually choose their representatives. And I recognize that sometimes geography means there are some districts that you're not going to get to what's considered a competitive level, but everywhere we can, we should, because that is how democracy works. You know, voters should be able to choose their representatives not the other way around. And sadly, if Republicans have their way, um, and they have for far too long, representatives choose their voters. I want to ask you about Justice Hagedorn before we go today. Sure. What are your thoughts on him and his decisions over the last couple of years? Yeah, I, some of them have surprised me. Um, certainly when he was running, I wouldn't have expected some of the decisions um, that he is, you know, some of, some of where he's come down on some of these decisions. Some of his decisions were exactly what I expected. And so, I mean, it's interesting. I don't, I don't know if I have an opinion on him as much as I find him interesting, and I find it interesting to watch um, what he does and how he makes decisions. And, um, you know, like I said, I think... You know, sometimes he is the clear social conservative that I expected him to be, and he rules um, his values, not the law. And other times he seems to really, you know, take a hard look at it, and sometimes he surprises me with, you know, his rulings or his part of the ruling. Well, I, I view it as that he saved my vote. <laughs> you know, they were trying to throw 230,000 votes out, and mm -hmm. that probably never would have happened, but there's no doubt that, and he, he, there's no doubt that he made the right decision uh, in the fall of 2020. But what I've been impressed about with him is his very clear, logical 
writing in a way that people can understand in these sure. decisions. And I, I have to say, I, uh, I find him kind of intriguing at this point. And uh, it's remarkable that someone stands up to the Republican machine in Wisconsin. It just doesn't happen very often anymore. Sure, sure. And I, um, I wish that there were more conservatives willing to stand up and fight for their values against the Republican machine. Well, I suspect because the Republican machine has become, um, in many ways, the Republican machine has become the the Robin Voss machine. What did you? Um, but it's also become the Donald Trump machine. What did What did you make of uh, Majority Leader Steinke's statement after Gableman's performance? And I will use the word performance. Well, Representative Steinke is not running again. He's leaving the legislature. So I, my take is Steinke, Steinke has throughout all of this, on the floor, elsewhere, he has been the guy who's out in front um, debunking some of this and debunking it a little more vociferously than any of his colleagues. And I think that's because he's leaving the legislature. It makes it very easy um, Robin Voss doesn't have to get out there and get in front on it because he sent Steinecke out to do it instead. Um, frankly, I think every single Republican, particularly those in leadership, but every single elected Republican should be making it clear where they stand on decertification, where they stand on this election. The reality is Joe Biden won the election. It was a free and fair election and a secure election and a safe election. Well, and roughly and the same. Every one of them should have to say that. They're yeah. sending Steinecke out to do it because he's, he's leaving. not yeah. running again, so it's safe. Well, it's remarkable because Biden's margin was very similar to Trump's margin. Absolutely. When Trump won. Absolutely. So, and I, I, I didn't question Trump's margin. I, I didn't. Uh, you know, we had a, I know somebody paid for a recount, but. I didn't. I didn't question it because I trust the integrity of the people that carry out elections in this state, and it's really quite remarkable that Rebecca Clayfish could not answer the question: Should the legislature have the power to overturn elections? She could not answer that question. Which is scary as hell, Cy. I mean, that is to think about: What if we had a governor who thought the legislature should have the power to? simply overturn the result of an election they don't like. That's frightening. That's not democracy. At that point, what we're talking about is not democracy anymore, and that's Rebecca Clayfish. State Representative Lisa Subek, thanks for coming to Sly's office today. Thanks, Sly. Appreciate you having me. Sly'sOffice.com. Thanks a million. Bye-bye.